0: Well, happy first Sunday of Advent, and uh, did you know it was the first Sunday of Advent? Yeah, you can, you okay, good. Welcome to first Sunday of Advent. It's good to see Dave and Linda back from Florida. They, they missed the great weather we have here and uh, have decided to enjoy some Ohio December where you don't know whether it will be 70 degrees or negative 70 degrees Yay, Ohio. Uh, but it's good to see you guys in town as they uh, they have moved to Florida and their house is sold and they're finishing up uh, the, getting the house uh, ready for closing. So we love you guys. Glad to see you. Hope Hopefully this won't be the last time that we see you, uh, but good to see you this this week. And then Angel Tree. Uh, Bev has all the ornaments out on the tree, and so I'd encourage you to, to get an ornament, and give to this this um, this ministry to to kids whose parents are imprisoned, and so they they are out on the tree, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing God work through that. You ever been in, drawn into something? You ever been drawn into an argument? Anybody in here ever been drawn into an argument? Maybe I can try to draw you into one now. Uh, you ever know, been drawn into a story? or You know, I, I know some people will watch TV, and they, it's almost like they're drawn into the show. Anybody have anybody married to anybody like that, that once the television comes on, there is no talking to the person? They are in the story. They are drawn in. Uh, we like to be drawn into things, and, and I think there's this natural need to, to be drawn into something bigger than ourselves. Um, Several years ago, Tom Browning threw a perfect game for the Cincinnati Reds, and it was an interesting night. It was, it was after a rain delay. Uh, Browning's perfect game. He actually pitched against Tim Belcher, who graduated from Mount Vernon, and I think Belcher threw a three-hitter. And the score was one to nothing. And it was a, a rain delay, so it was like two and a half hours before the game started, and, and not many people showed up. It was through the week, and, and I mean, there, there were less than 10,000 people in the stadium, and, and it got less as a, it was kind of a cold, rainy kind of like a night. And, and, but, but by the end of the night, uh, I, I stay, at things like that, I'll say, well, I'll stay. Until someone gets a hit. Anybody? Get? And so I, I was staying until someone gets a hit. And no one got a hit. And, and by the seventh or eighth inning, it, the crowd began to move closer in. There, there were only a few hundred, more just a few thousand people. And they just began to move in. And, and even though the stadium was almost empty, you were drawn into it. I, I don't think I've ever experienced anything like it as he completed that perfect game on that rainy night. We were drawn in and and there's something about great events that draw us in. Um, How how many when OSU wins a football game will say we won? How how many will say we won? And and how many will say we won even though you were not a member of the team, uh, that you're not a member of the university currently, or you never even attended the university? Uh, Indiana University has won several basketball championships. That's right. We, we, (laughs) I don't live in Indiana anymore. I never attended Indiana University, but somehow we like to be drawn into those things. And, And we go to championship parades. Anybody ever been to a championship parade? Anybody in here? Everybody's afraid to lift, lift their hand. It's like it's, it, if I lift my hand in the church, it means I have to give $50 to something. Uh, but, but we go to championship parades. We, we, we like to be part of something bigger than ourselves. I think one of the things that happens in family is it, we, we're drawn into a story, something that's bigger than us. God has a big story that He's unveiling. And Advent is a significant part of that story. The the story of God with us, Emmanuel, the story of Jesus is a significant part of God's story. In fact, the Bible, the percentage of the Bible that is story is by far the majority. Most of the Bible is story after story after story. Uh, particularly in the Old Testament, but then in the New Testament as well. It is story after story. It's the story of God. It is His story, which really is the, the significant significant history is His story. It's the story of God's love. It's the story of God's salvation. And we see this story unfold through ordinary people. You know, you think in the Old Testament, you have Abraham and and, and you have Moses, and Moses was a, a shepherd, an 80-year-old shepherd. <laughs> uh, you, you see the story unfold through David, who, in reference to him, the Bible says that, that man looks on the outside, but God looks on the inside. In other words, there was something inside of him that was better than what was on the outside. We see it through the story of of Elijah and Isaiah. God moves through these prophets and these kings and these patriarchs. And many of them, most of them, perhaps all of them, are just ordinary guys, ordinary women, that God has invited to be part of his story, his greater narrative. And they've accepted God's invitation and they become part of this great, grand story of God. Now, now I got to tell you, maybe it's not amazing to you, but it's amazing to me. And, and I, I think it's Steve Jobs that says something to the effect that, that, that you need to find what makes your heart sing. <laughs> I think he gave that in a speech to Stanford or a graduation speech. And you know what makes my heart sing? That God invites us to be a part that this isn't just God working, that this is God at work inviting us to be a part of his story. God invites ordinary men and women to play a key role in his story. You know, I, I, I like our, our vision statement of ordinary people following Jesus because I believe most of us feel like we're ordinary and most of us are ordinary. And, and, and God has invited us. You are invited. You have a place in God's story. And the question is, how far would you go to be part of God's story? You know, that the Advent story is full of ordinary people. And you can't tell the story. You can't talk about the Advent story without mentioning the ordinary men and women who inhabit the story. People like Zacharias and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph and shepherds and and Anna and and Simeon. These are ordinary people. These aren't people that that they've written big uh, biographies about. You don't don't find them in the history section of Barnes and Nobles. They're, They're just normal, ordinary people. And God includes them in the Advent story. I think about Mary and Joseph and the crucial ro- roles that they, they've played. And, and we've spent some big money on props this year. Um, uh, you, you know, I, 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 I think we spent thousands of dollars on our Mary and Joseph. I think we've got a manger, which we'll talk about next week. And I think we've got a baby Jesus. It's good to have a baby Jesus in the Christmas story, right? Yeah, you know, the last Sunday we we're gonna talk about Jesus. Does anybody have any shepherds? If you have shepherds, see me. Somehow the shepherds are missing from this, this little scene. So we're we're gonna to have to do some 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 something different unless some of you have some thousand dollar shepherds. I think about Mary and Joseph and the crucial roles that they play in this Advent story. Think about, and I guess I'm thinking about this. By the way, an update on my dad. They sent him to rehab. He would not stay. God bless my 90-year-old dad. He just wasn't going to do it. So he's back home. I pray for him. I mean, there's you know, he needs help. He needs some rehab. He needs some therapy to get moving. And with blood clots, you need to move a little bit. But he is back home. But I've been thinking about dad and mom. And, you know, I really have been reflecting on how much I've been blessed. You know, we can look at this and we can say, oh man, nobody wants to lose a father. and I don't want to lose my father. But I have been extremely blessed to have awesome, an awesome mom and dad for 55 years of my life. That's a blessing. You know, thank you, God. If you give him more years, if you give mom more years, thank you, but thank you for what you've done. And I think about, I've been thinking about how important a mom and a dad is in the life of a child. Uh, you know, it's kind of a scary thing, right? Those of us who are parents, that's a scary thing to think about that obligation and what you're doing to the world with that child that you're raising. But he chooses Mary, God chooses Mary and Joseph. Both of them are important. But both of them are, are crucial to the story. You know, Mary is essential to deliver the baby. But where would Mary have been without Joseph? You know, when God chose Mary, He knew that she was unique and she was willing to be a mother. And in some respects, I wonder how much of her participation was chosen or is just, well, you're going to have a child. But Joseph... Joseph, Joseph had to say yes. Uh, Joseph was not passive. (laughs) You know, sometimes we look at passive Joseph and and Joseph disappears from the narrative at some point. We don't see him as as when Jesus is an adult. But, but, But Joseph is crucial to the life of Jesus. How far was Joseph willing to be part of God's story. And let's look at the story in Matthew, beginning in chapter 1 and verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in his mind to divorce her quietly. which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her and until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. What a powerful story. There's so much in that passage that we could talk about today, but we're focusing on Joseph. They were engaged. Now, now, that's a little bit more than, than an engagement in our culture. The, the, this, this, this was an arranged, most likely, an arranged with their consent marriage. Uh, mom and dad, we saw them last night. Dad and, and mom, well, I don't know if my mom so much, but my dad was a little bit of a shy guy, but he stayed with my grandmother, and then he went into the Navy. And when he came back for a leave, my grandma more, my mom's mom, sent a telegram down to his mom and said, is Bob home? I'd love to see him and signed it, Wanda. (laughs) And then my dad's mom responded to my mom's mom with a letter and said, oh, I would love to see you too. Why don't you come on down, Wanda? I think that was a Kentucky arranged marriage right there. It's worked out 66 years. I guess that's okay. But this was a serious commitment. Mary would have been between 12 and 14 years old. Joseph would have been 18 to 20. There would have been some sort of dowry by Joseph that would have been paid for for the right to have Mary as his wife. So he would have given something to, to Mary's parents. This was a serious commitment. And in fact, the scripture, he's referred to as her husband, not just as someone who's engaged with her. You know, it's, it's interesting. In the passage, it says, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. That, that's a, I, those are the kind of phrases in the Bible that I want to know more about. Anybody else like that? That, that I see that little language and, 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 I, and I understand the drama of life and, and I wonder how this came out. How did Joseph hear about Mary's pregnancy? You know, it's not like today where we'd send a text or a Facebook message or an email or make a phone call. I guess you can still call on the phone too, right? Somehow he found out. Did Mary tell him? Did did Mary tell her parents? And her parents tell Joseph's parents? And Joseph's parents tell him? Was it just gossip in the town? But but somehow he found out that this was as if Mary had committed adultery. Adultery. And they were under Roman rule, and, 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 and they really weren't legally allowed to, to execute on their own. You know, they could get in trouble, but, but it still happened. There could have been a stoning here, but, but, but it says, what an awesome description. But Joseph was a righteous man. Don't, don't you want people to talk about you like that? Todd is a righteous man. Joseph was a righteous man. And I think in the context of this passage, one thing righteousness means is he wanted to do the right thing. How about making that the goal of your week? In every circumstance, I am going to do the right thing. I'm going to be prayerful I'm going to be considerate and I'm not going to respond emotionally but in all the circumstances I face this week I'm going to do the right thing but God speaks to him in a dream and, and Joseph this righteous man <laughs> says yes to God in response to a dream now, next, next week, we're going to talk about Bethlehem. We're going to talk about the the, the, the the manger. But but let's look at this just very very quickly because it affects Joseph here, Matthew 2, 13 through 15, uh, that the magi have, have come in who are fascinating characters in and of themselves. They're, it's interesting that God sends shepherds and these wise men, these astrologers from the east that are stargazers to, to come and worship Jesus. All these priests and all these religious people, all these Sadducees, all these people that had all the religious knowledge that knew that the time was right and could, could decipher the signs as well as anybody, they don't come. But these guys from the East, these strangers, come. My son. Who likes to move? Anybody in here likes to move? Uh, Karen, one. We have one. That shows you the percentage. I tell you what, I, I, I would rather you kick me than have to move. I tell you, moving is the worst thing in the world. And part of the reason it's the worst thing in the world, how in the world do you accumulate like 10 households worth of stuff in your basement in three years? We haven't bought anything, really. We haven't done anything. Our basement's full again. It's like it's a me- You know, it's like we have little elves that come and pile stuff in our basement. Everybody likes to move and, you know, think about this to Egypt, this foreign land, this different culture, this, 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 this place that was not the same as what he was used to. I, you know, when, when I did the mountain in Africa, after I came down, you know where I almost got killed? walking in traffic. I forgot they drove on the wrong side of the road or the right side of the road, depending on what you, what you want to look at. So I climbed this silly mountain, survived, and I'm walking through the town and a truck almost hit me because I was looking the wrong way. That'd have been awful, wouldn't it? Paul was killed in Africa. Oh, did he die on the mountain? No, a truck hit him in Moshi. But this is Joseph. He's, he's taken Mary... And Jesus, and he's went to a different culture. He's left the protection of family and clan and home. He's, the, the, the food is different. He, you know, he's left his job, his employment, what he's been trained to do. He, he's, the language is different. The customs are different. Joseph has left all of that to be part of God's story. So Why did Joseph give up? Well, Joseph gave up reputation If Joseph had heard that Mary was pregnant, guess what? Other people had heard that Mary was pregnant. He gave up the right to his first son. You know, he loved Jesus. He was a father to Jesus. But he gave up the right to be the earthly father, the physical father of his first son. He gave up safety. You know, he left protection. He gave up income, money. Man, that's a hard thing to give up. And all God's people said, amen, if you were honest. He gave up income. He gave up comfort. All to be part of God's story. And the question for us is, how far are you willing to go to be part of God's story? How far are you willing to go? Um, Acts is an amazing book. Uh, You know, I would would encourage you, you know, the Gospels are great just to read through, but I'd encourage you just, just to sit down and read through the book of Acts in a day or two. It's worth reading. But in the middle of Acts, in Acts 16, the narrative changes from they to we. Just all of a sudden, it go, it's, it's they did this, and they did this, and they did this. And then in Acts 16, about verse 9 or 10, it goes, and we. And most scholars say, well, this is when Luke joined the group. But it does something interesting to the reader as well. Because as we're reading the story, it's no longer they, but it's us. And see, the story of Acts and and. and And the message of Acts is God does not want us just to observe his kingdom growing. He wants us to be active participants in the kingdom. He wants us to move from they to us. See, God's love invites. I I, I love I love that God invites me. And I've heard the phrase, God is a gentle, God is gentle and He'll invite you gently. And you know, sometimes He has to kick me a little firmer to get me going, but it's still an invitation. God invites, He gives us a choice. You have a choice to respond to the love of God. And the question is, are you willing to move deeper into the story? Are you willing to give up reputation? Are you willing to give up money? Are you willing to give up time? Are you willing to give up comfort? Are you you willing to give up things that you really kind of (laughs) like to move deeper into the story? In a lot of ways, as I I prepare this message, it it feels like all in point two, (laughs) You know, we've been in this all-in campaign and we've been inviting you to, to be part, to go all in, to, to, to be invested in God's kingdom and God's work here. I believe we're in the middle of a new day in our church. I do. You know, there's some some challenges that we face, but but I believe we're in the midst of a new day. And and it's not that. See, sometimes when you talk about those things, it's as if you're bashing what happened before. I'm not. Killed day was great. God moved and we're thankful. Amen? But but aren't you thankful for a God whose mercies are new and fresh every day? A a God who invites us to a new thing every day that that God never responds in the same way, but He continues to grow and move? (laughs) Dr. Manley, several years ago, I had him for a revival at at, at Trenton, and he he talked about God speaking through the burning bush, (laughs) And I'll never forget him talking about that. He said, you know, God spoke through the burning bush and he never did that again. (laughs) That our creative God is creative enough to continue to move and work throughout history in diverse and different ways. And so I believe we're in a new day. In a lot of ways, it looks like the old day. (laughs) For, for, For many years... What I've seen in the church is a very staff-focused church. Not just this church, but generally growing churches have been very staff-focused. And in my spirit, I sense that God is moving in a different way. And I believe he's moving in a way where it's less about staff and more about you. He <laughs> oh, crud, pastor. I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about you. I believe God's moving in, in a way where it's more about less about who stands on the platform and more about who sits in the pews and the reason is simple if it all becomes about me and Josh and Bob and, and, and our, our, a children's pastor or, 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 or whoever we pay uh, to be part of the church then we're limited we are but when it's about you and your pastors serve in this role where we equip and we send and we support and we encourage, and we do our part too. God can do amazing things in our church. You know it's one of the things I love about this church. There's so many examples of that. And see, when I preach that in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm learning that from you. <laughs> That, that, that when I came to this church, I, I maybe, it's been a long time since I've been part of a church that was so, and, and I don't like the word laity because I think it, it distinguishes between you and me, and I don't think there is, God, it distinguishes between you and me. But this was a people oriented church where people did things. Amen? Look at Tammy Jacob there, Tammy and Rick, how much they did. And there's so many people. That's the thing. Anytime I talk about these kind of things, I can talk about so many people who do so much. I think of Cheryl Johnson. We could pick on her again. I think of Terry Moore. I saw Terry in his cab dropping people off this morning. Think about Karen Moore, and she's got walkers going. All, the, all these people in this church, there's so many Sue Timmons and her prayer ministry. There's so many people in this church that, that are just using their gifts in natural ways, and, and God is blessing that. This church is full of people who are fully invested. And, and I want you to know, as your pastor, thank you. Thank you. It, it, it's, it makes a difference. It makes a difference that when we we have a children's pastor that accepts a call in another church, we have fully invested Sunday school teachers and workers that just keep going. Like the Energizer bunny. They just keep teaching, and they just keep serving, and your kids just keep growing, and I say praise the Lord. But you know what I'm struck about in this story? It's how God can use this ordinary guy in such an extraordinary way. And, and he didn't ask Joseph. You know what he asked Joseph to be? Be dad. Say, well, that, that's pretty extraordinary. It is pretty extraordinary. Uh, but if you're a dad today, stand up. Stand up. Just for a second. i I'm you. Just for a second. Okay, you can sit back down. There's dads all over this place. There's billions of dads throughout history. So so God's not asking him to to be something extraordinary. He's asking him to be something that billions of men have been throughout history. Some better, some worse. Be dad to my son. That's an ordinary role. And you say, well, pastor... Joseph went to Egypt. Think about what you'd do for your kids. Many years ago, Wyatt was like three or four, and the Lion King had just come out, you know, and and they had, you know, thank you McDonald's for Happy Meal toys that you have to search for. We couldn't find a Simba. I bought Happy Meals in every McDonald's in the greater Cincinnati area. How I many have done things like that? You know, we're, we're getting near to Christmas and, and that, that dadgum Santa Claus, he never puts those toys together. And so I can't think how many Christmas Eves I've been up all night because he's too lazy to do it. <laughs> what we'll do for our kids. And those are silly things. I, I, I was thinking about Coulson. And Coulson's doing well now, right? <laughs> uh, you know, we, we've been praying. Isn't it crazy how we pray for stuff and God answers prayer and it's just like we move on to the next day, we probably should be celebrating Colson and God's work in his life every Sunday. We prayed and prayed for that little guy. And you know what? He's functioning well, still cancer-free. Praise God. Thank you, God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow, right? Nothing about Colson. Okay, he's got to be at Cincinnati Children's for for weeks or months. Taylor said, okay, I'll just move into the hospital room. Go to Chicago? Sure, I'll just go to Chicago. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. We'd do anything for our kids. And what you see is Joseph does what any dad would do, any good dad would do to save the life of his son. He is just. An ordinary father. Amy, we, we sang that song, Take Me Deeper Than My Feet Would Ever wander. I am convinced of this, that going deeper begins in the ordinary aspects of your life. In, in other words, it begins with giving God your day-to-day, everyday life. God may never call you to Africa, but I guarantee you He's calling you to the place you work. He's calling you to your neighborhood. He's calling you to the clubs you're part of. He's calling you to the families that your kids play sports with. God calls us in our ordinary life. He wants to use us in our ordinary lives, and he wants us to use our ordinary abilities for his kingdom. (laughs) Pick on Neil Lugan, Bill. Do any of you realize and Harold, you give me an amen if this is true. Does, do any of you realize how much Neil Luganville does for the church? You're supposed to give me an Amen. Amen. Thank you here. <laughs> Dee, where were you at? I, you needed the elbow there. <laughs> this church, I don't, I don't think this physical building would function without Neil and his team and Harold and others. But but Neil, with his, with his staff, engineering mind <laughs> he has list and checklist, and you know he knows when to change things and you know it's, it's, it's amazing and he's just using that ordinary mind that great ordinary mind that he's got to serve the kingdom maybe you're struggling to find your place maybe you're saying pastor I, I hear you but I just don't feel plugged in. I just don't feel like there's a place for me. Can I tell you there is? We are the body. Every member is a part and has a function and a role. And I'll tell you, if you contact me, you have cards in front of you, and you can mark the card when, you know, when the box is in the back. You, 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 can, you can send me an email. My, my card's out there. It has my cell phone number on it. Don't blow it up at 3 o'clock in the morning just to see if it works, okay? I am, I am available to you. I am. And there's other people in this church that, that if you want to sit down, we will help you plug into a role. I mean, I look around this church at all these good people. I see Gene, I see Rick and Tammy, and I see June and Tony, and I, I see Harold and Dee, and I see all these folks out here, Todd and Kendra, all these people that have served in different ways. You guys will help somebody plug in, right? They want to find a role. You'll help them find a role. You, you, you know what need, what the church's needs are and how the kingdom can be advanced. I'm telling you, there is a place for you here, and it doesn't have to be extraordinary. It can be ordinary, and God will use it in extraordinary ways. You don't know how to close this. I don't. Um, and it just hit me. Maybe, maybe there's a purpose for that. But when I, when I stand up here and I, and I don't feel sure on how to close, maybe that's because God wants to close. <laughs> and so, what I'm going to do, our altars are always available. Uh, maybe, maybe you want to just talk to me. Maybe there's something going on. Uh, bring the lights down. We're going to wait. Two minutes. Uh, you can, your head's bowed, all eyes closed. Talk to God, however he wants you to respond. And then, um, Pastor Bob, you're coming cl- close this, brother.